Welcome to Reality TV PhD. I'm Christina. And I'm M. Here's the deal. M and I were both in school for far, far too long. We decided it was time for us to climb out of the ivory tower and plop onto the couch to talk about our favorite academic subject, reality TV. From dating shows that make you question the future of humankind, to competition shows with 40 plus seasons, to that one show about a farmer trying to find a wife, for better or worse, we watch it all. We're here with hot takes, dissertations about topics you never asked for, and questions you wished another student would ask so you don't have to. Class has begun. We're back. We're back, baby! Wow, I never thought we would record this episode, Em. You've had so many things to take care of this morning. Okay, okay. I thought that what happens before we press record stays where we don't press record that was never negotiated it's true listeners i was a little high maintenance this morning i had to go put deodorant on after we got on zoom my body temperature was too hot so i had to go put a tank top on probably had to go do other things too but here we are (laughs) we made it we're here what do you think of my shirt christina is wearing Liz's from Australia Survivors merch. For those who watched Liz on the show was wearing this shirt that says they know for like the entire, how many days is it? Like 50 days on Australian Survivor? 50 moments for me to need that. Christina told me that she bought this shirt after the window to order it closed. And And I went to go order one and it was closed. I'm so sorry. What if I did that on purpose? I bet you did. <laughs> you want to be the only one out of us who has that <laughs> shirt. But it was expensive. And is it, does it feel expensive? It does. It's very like thick. It's a substantial cotton. And yeah. I'm really just looking forward to wearing this in public and mm. seeing who. Seeing who knows. Right. Do they know? We'll find out. Uh, it's beautiful. We're, uh, we're thrilled for Christina's purchase. Should we talk highs and lows of the week? Yeah, let's get started in homeroom and do some highs and some lows. Who first? Well, mine's very short. Go for it. Actually, I added a second one, Amir, 20 minutes ago. Classic. (laughs) We think, ooh, this is going to take not an hour for me to cover. I'm just going to add another one. Yeah, it's a problem. Well, I just wanted to shout out that on Survivor U.S., For a brief moment, Tika was the first all-queer tribe. Two gay men and one pansexual woman. Now, did I miss when Carolyn described herself in this way? I also missed it, but shout out queer website Autostraddle for covering all of the queer contestants. So I knew Carolyn was queer from the beginning, even though I didn't see it on the TV show. Wow. I would love to see more of Carolyn's like real, like I would love to see a little bit more of her life. I feel like we haven't gotten her like, I don't know, day to day, like a little, little moment of that. Or have right, we? like where they show those moments when they walk up that hill that they've done the last few seasons and then they yes. like 
Yes. This season's been a little light on that. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a historical moment. It is. And I also have another queer recommendation, which is that I've been watching Restaurants at the End of the World with Chef Kristen Kish, which I would describe as Chef's Table meets Zac Efron's Down to Earth. I don't know that reference. Have you I know that I know the, of those? No, no. Chef's Table I've watched. Okay. I famously once made a Twitter account to to solely tweet at one of the chefs on chef's table asking him if I could come be like an apprentice. Help, help SOS. Why do I do things like that? It was the one in Patagonia. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Go back to Hmm. what you were saying. Just a wreck. I'm loving it. (laughs) Just a wreck. (laughs) Right. It was just, you know, it's like a lovely gentle show cool kitchens doing unique things. And there's sort of a more soaped out focus where you're seeing how they catch the food and talking about like the earth. And Mm. I just like it. It gives me good energy. And I love down to earth with Zac Efron. So anything else that gives me that vibe. Is that a real, is that a reality TV show? I don't like, what would you call that genre where they, I don't even know what this is. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just, it's a Netflix show where he just travels around the world with his friend who's like an environmentalist and they just experience different places on earth and talk about sustainability. And the last season featured some really awesome, like indigenous um, stuff from where were they? New Zealand, Australia. I don't remember. I loved it. Cool. Two wrecks, I guess. Oh, they followed koalas. Like, are, you Googling, are you Googling this right now? No, I'm just you... thinking. Oh, <laughs> I loved it. So you just had this like wistful look on her face and started saying koalas. And I was like, yeah, maybe she looked this up and she's refreshing her memory because a moment ago she couldn't no remember memory. if they were in New Zealand or Australia. But oh, I guess that would tell me which location. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love the animal. Know nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I have to watch Arizona. <laughs> The Denver Zoo. Oh, <laughs> Zach Efron in the Denver Zoo. <laughs> Would watch. All right. My high of the week was last week. There was a contestant on Top Chef who is amazing. She speaks seven languages. Victoire combines her love for Italian food with African cuisine and uses an infinite range of ingredients to showcase her passion for European and Congolese dot, dot, dot. I can't read anything else because I didn't open it. She's from the Congo. She's incredible. She's also one of the funniest contestants I've ever seen on Top Chef. But she was cooking in one of the challenges, and I guess she has a severe walnut allergy. Like, severe. And she, but their team decided that they were going to make something with walnuts in it. Cause like, that's what they had to do to make the dish spectacular. So she's just like chopping these walnuts, starting to like, um, her eyes watering, starting to cough. People are like, stop, get away from the walnuts. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it. But my high of the week is not only this contestant who's amazing, but also the medical team shout out to top chef medical team. We finally have a trusted authority who pulled her out and was like, you need to get out of here because you're having a severe allergic reaction. 
And they showed footage of her like sitting on the side with the medical team and the medical team like putting an EpiPen in her leg. This is top chef. Anyway, I don't love watching stuff like that, but I just wanted to say I was, it felt nice to feel like I could trust the medical authorities on a TV show. And if it's top chef, then it's top chef. Rude move team to decide that you had to put walnuts in no, that dish. No, that's the thing is like no one, they were all like, Victoire, stop, get, get away from it. It was definitely like not them. It was like, she was just so, she said a quote, I, can't, I should have written down this iconic quote, but it's something she was like, I'll finish my plate, then die. Like, she's like one of those people. She's like a George, like glory or death type of character. We oh, love no. it. <laughs> I'll, I'll quickly do my lows because it's this uh, same coin, different side. Yeah. My low is medical teams. I'm Ugh. not usually paying attention, by the way, listeners, to medical teams this much. But now that we've n- talked about it a little, I can't stop thinking about it. So now anytime a medical team is on my screen, I'm like, do I trust them or not? Okay, but one of your examples I felt was egregious. Yes. So, well, you don't even know. Do you know? No. Okay. She doesn't even know what the other example is, and I think I she'll think it's even know. more egregious. But her shirt says, they know. <laughs> Who is they? So, two lows having to do with medical teams. Number one is the challenge world championship there is a contestant this is speculation but there's a contestant who was there was like this eating challenge disgusting i hate it and this was last week and like just watching people vomit i don't like and this time they were like you would get negative points if you puked so people tried really hard not to puke and almost no one did except for this one woman like was just like so sick like she just kept puking and then she said something like, I've been feeling sick for like the past like <laughs> couple of days. And then we know now in real life that she's pregnant. And people Whoa. are trying to do people are trying to do the timing of like, was she pregnant then? And I think people have figured out that she probably was, but even if she wasn't, this is not the first time that the challenge franchise has allowed a pregnant a woman on the show who does not know that they are pregnant to like compete and one of them made it so far and they're doing really kind of, I would probably, I mean, I've never been pregnant, but probably things you probably shouldn't do when you're pregnant, like physically dangerous things. A lot of them, that's the show. And so that's a low. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I'm just wondering, well, first of all, I think I would need to, I need to clearly watch the challenge because I'm, like, are they, can you really not do these challenges pregnant? I, I, I don't know. Again, I've never been, I've never been pregnant. I, I would imagine if you knew you were pregnant, you would probably, yeah, not do these, some of these challenges. I mean, I think one woman a couple years ago was in the final and was pregnant, but didn't know it. Mm. And I'm talking like just dangerous. I mean, I've told you like some guy jumped yeah. out of a, jumped out of a plane because they had to, and okay, then he yeah. landed poorly and broke his leg. Like, oh yeah. Even if you're not pregnant, you shouldn't probably be doing some of these challenges. <laughs> okay, okay. Point point taken for sure. Interesting. Very and, interesting. And this last week, someone, someone, this most recent episode, someone got uh not ejected, but like had to leave because of a medical problem because one of the challenges, he his like his knee snapped. 
I'm telling you, Christina, it's a dangerous show. Okay. It sounds dangerous for all humans. Yeah, and it is. I'm like now <laughs> concerned about what is going on here. Yes. It's dangerous for all humans. Maybe especially so for pregnant people, but I don't know because I've never, I don't know the rules, but that's a low. <laughs> the other low is I started watching the race to Alaska or race in Alaska. What's it called? It can't be race to Alaska. Race to survive Alaska. Okay. Well, that's a confusing sentence. Yeah. Racing to survive. Does not stick in the brain. Does not stick in the brain because it doesn't make sense. But in the first episode, there's a woman who's like, like non-responsive. Like she passes out and she's fully non-responsive. And and she's like, when she is conscious, she's like, what's going on? Like, she has no idea what's going on. And this is like hour five of the show. And I did the medical team. This is my other low. It's about another medical team. It's like they, I was like, I could tell you that she needs to be medevaced. <laughs> I was incredibly confused what was going on. Did they, they're like, yeah, we have medical personnel stationed throughout the course but like i'm pretty sure it was a dude in a green shirt that was like okay we gotta call in the meds because like this woman is not okay like he clearly had no um my spouse said maybe he didn't have like equipment on him but then i'm like then why are they out there yeah why are they out there to to just say like oh confirmed this person's not responsive Right. Like give walkies to the camera people instead, you know, like what was the point of even having these guys in the green shirt? They just seem to like not be doing much other than being like, yeah, that looks real bad. Yeah. Really bad. Anyway, it was hard to watch because when they evacuated her, she thought she was dying. Yes, she did. And I thought maybe she's dying because I don't know what's going on. No one's told me. I did not feel comforted. I did not feel comforted. I did not feel safe. Unlike Victoire and the EpiPen with the walnut allergy, I felt in very good hands watching that. I did not feel in good hands watching Race to Survive Alaska. Still doesn't make sense. Will you be watching the second episode? Yes, I will be watching the second episode. I thought you said you hated it. I did not enjoy it. However, (laughs) we are in a bleak, bleak moment of reality TV right now. That's it for my lows. Do you have any lows? All right. My low was just a agreement with a point made on the podcast, Two Black Girls, One Rose. And they said, this is related to Love is Blind. They said, it's just so sad that there was so much less focus in the social like dialogue around this show on Tiffany and Brett a beautiful couple of color and like everyone was just so obsessed us included with Micah and Irina being mean girls and I just I thought that was an excellent point and is so true about just sort of how we get wrapped up in some parts of these shows and it even made me think of original like season one love is blind we knew that there were some couples that actually got engaged from the pods that they never followed and you know some of these like more aligned more well-matched couples yeah, let's show them. And so what? They're not like mean girls and creating drama. I know M wants to watch it. Oh, I I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, we barely talked about Tiffany and Brett in last week's episode because there's no drums. But yep. I was thinking this this week, I was thinking, can the Bachelor producers watch Tiffany and Brett? Because that's what I want to see on The Bachelor. 
Mm. I genuinely want to see like true love story that's like legit. Yeah. With the level of verbal affirmations that Brett is able to give. I mean, that's excellent television. For sure. And can we make all straight men in this country watch? (laughs) Mandatory. (laughs) Mandatory viewing. Open questions for you. And then we'll turn to our new segment of teacher evaluations. (laughs) Love it. My favorite part of the year. So I watch Top Chef and I see them have to start cooking at 9 p.m. I would probably quit right then. So I wanted to ask you, like, do you ever think that, and I don't know your your sleep schedule <laughs> or how often, how much you how much sleep you need and how, you know, resting and stuff like that, but do you ever feel like there are certain shows that you could just or not even shows, but career paths even? I literally watched this and I was like, I can never be a chef if you have to like, I can't. And I've thought that before the restaurant industry. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't stay up till like two and three in the morning. Have you ever watched something and thought I couldn't do that because of like your sleep schedule? I hope as you asked that, you realize what a deeply Taurus question. Yeah, no, I know. Well, no, because I do go to bed at 9 p.m. So I could not like 9 9 30 9 45 yeah wow i didn't know that uh, but i function very well on little sleep so mm. i have thought i would do well in survivor mm. and especially because contestants have said like your brain is just going 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 the whole time thinking about like the different outcomes based on different moves and that appeals to me because i feel that my brain is constantly going Okay, I'm question. on a journey to get more sleep, and it's been really hard. Oh. Have we talked about this? No. <laughs> like trying really hard to get eight hours of sleep. Because listeners may not know, I am going to be doing IVF soon. And beyond all the many things you could do to try to become pregnant, like one of the things that everyone says is like, get good sleep. I'm like, well, why would I be taking my 40 vitamins if I'm not getting eight hours of sleep? And I tried to work on it over winter break, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I was realizing I was clocking like five and a half hours. What? What? Really? I would be as I couldn't function. Getting to eight. That's why I have to go to bed at nine, because I I want to wake up so early. Wow. We're so different. (laughs) (laughs) never ceases to amaze me i'm so glad i asked i have one more question for you if you don't mind yes so there's a contestant on this current season of uh the challenge world championship her name is casey i think she was originally on big brother but she's been like a staple on the mtv's the challenge franchise for a while now she's a very good competitor and you might actually do you know nani so Nani has been on the challenge world forever and she and Casey started dating like maybe a couple of years ago. Casey has never been on a challenge without Nani for a while. And she's been kind of, people have said like, she doesn't like bring a lot of like pizzazz to the show. Casey doesn't. And she's just kind of like boring, but she's like a good competitor. But this season of the challenge world championships, Nani is not on the show. It's just Casey. And Casey is like, we're just seeing more of her personality. 
So anyway, my question for you is, do you think that you would be more or less entertaining on a show with your significant other? More. More more entertaining without my significant other. Okay. And why is that? I have been told by my significant other and my brother that I am mean when I am competitive. (laughs) So I need to be untethered. From like people that love me and know me back at home. Yeah. I think that that's, this is like must, I, I, I hypothesize that this is true for most people. Like, I don't think that Casey is an outlier. I was just thinking like we, that we, I rarely have this comparison where like someone's on the show with their significant other and then they're suddenly not. And it's not like the person is any different, but I do think you get to see maybe some more sides to the person when their partner's not there. Survivor blood versus water. Have you watched those seasons? Who? Say some names. So the the couple I'm thinking of, well, there's a lot of like survivor people that their significant others or family members were on there with that you would know. Like I think Tyson with his girlfriend. But I feel like the the couple that was really interesting to me was Brad Culpepper and Monica Culpepper. Then doesn't ring a bell. He's a former football player. He he's from Florida. This is also why I'm like interested in him. I've like seen him on billboards when I go home, but very interesting dynamic to watch when he is finally gone and she can play freely. Mm, There's gender dynamic there, like gender Mm. roles within the marriage, like very Mm. endlessly entertaining. I would recommend that season. Okay, thanks. Great. Do you have any open questions? Oh, I have a few. Okay, well, the first one is not a question. I don't know why. I literally put it here with a question mark. It's not a question. Say I it just as a question, say even though say, okay. it, but say it as if it's a question, even though it's not. In the U.S., they're casting for the traitors. <laughs> not a question. <laughs> Confirmed. Not a question. Not a question. Just a shout out. Everyone that <laughs> loves the traitors, can someone please apply? I- I'm like considering, but just not a good time in my life. That would yeah. be a fun show to be on. Talk about not getting eight hours of sleep where you're going to yeah. get murdered at night. That would actually be very hard for me. Would be very hard for me as well. <laughs> Probably for most people. I would really want to be a traitor. I would not want to be a traitor. Oh, my God. Interesting. What? Whenever I play games like that, I and I'm not I'm not particularly religious. I truly pray when they're assigning the roles that I do not get the bad guy. Oh my God. If I don't get the bad guy, I totally pull a Kate Chastain and pretend I am no. because I can't. What is wrong with you? What's with you? That's where all the fun is. No. Two survivor related questions. I'm ready. Carolyn, as they merged ish this episode, said she doesn't like the initial hello. She finds it very weird. How do you feel about small talk, M? Never felt more seen by a Survivor contestant in my life. It was less that she said that, you know, I personally don't like when people say I don't like small talk because it's like, okay, like who among who among us is like, yeah, I would take small talk over and saying small talk is basically saying a non-interesting conversation. And so it's like, yeah, good point. You know, no one would prefer a non-interesting conversation to an interesting conversation. (laughs) So I don't like when people say that as a personality differentiator okay question about a survivor challenge 
So, you know, they always, they have this in a lot of different challenges, but they have them run up the half pipe. How do you feel about that? And then let me, I have a story related to this, which is that I would just, I actually think this is why I can't be on Survivor is like, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. I don't want to run up a hard surface and then fall down one. Just don't fall, like run harder and get up. It's really hard. When I did the Tough Mudder a really long time ago, there was a very large half pipe and I literally looked at it and just walked right past it and did not even attempt. Jeff would not be pleased. I know. That's why he would make some sort of snarky comment. I I hate it. It looks so painful. No. Wow. Yeah, it does nothing. It does. I feel nothing towards it. It just feels like another part of a challenge. You just want to like run up and like fall on like a hard. I wouldn't fall. I would do it well. Just know that you're going to do it well. (laughs) Okay. Don't fall. Are we in an alternate universe or do you think you could actually do it well? I could definitely do it well. Really? Oh, yeah, for sure. I probably couldn't be the first person. Like, I think I would. So you would need to be helped up. I would need. Okay, don't say it like that. Was that really doing it then? Was this even a question? I'm just, I guess I'm wondering, like, it's a very offensive challenge to me. And clearly you don't feel the same way. Okay, no, I don't feel the same way. It's not offensive at all. I think I would need someone who's like a little bit taller and like probably stronger to go up first and put their arm down for me because I don't. All right, go to the next question. I'm getting judged. I think we agree on my last question. We do not let the record show. We do not agree. It's not an offensive we, thing. And I, and I would, and I would do extremely well at it and getting help from someone is not, not doing it. What's not doing it is looking at it and walking around it. <laughs> you know, I, I know my own limits. Um, is being fed chocolate covered strawberries particularly sexy? This. No, it's particularly triggering. We cannot talk about that scene. Uh, is that one of your open questions? It was. <laughs> well, okay. They do strawberry feeding on so many shows. By the I can, way, like, count them. By the way, let's just be clear for you who aren't watching all the shows. This was not from Survivor. <laughs> no. Love is blind. We do a lot of like show shifting in the op- in the homeroom section, and we're really not going to be explicit about what show we're talking about. <laughs> but this question is about Love is Blind. Yeah, I don't like it. But I do love chocolate-covered strawberries. Oh, yeah. I love a, what's it called? Koalas? <laughs> like fruit gift baskets. With the chocolate on yeah. them? Yeah. Edible yeah, yeah. arrangements? I love an edible arrangement. <laughs> you would love an edible arrangement. <laughs> One time I broke my wrist and called my mother on the way to the hospital and said I would like an edible hey. <laughs> We are unhinged this episode. <laughs> did you break your wrist so that you could make that request oh god no i was on roller skates for Mm. 0.01 seconds and fell and immediately broke my wrist and the other funny part beyond that is that i was dressed as velma from scooby-doo and my glasses fell off and i was on my knees looking for my glasses with a broken wrist I do relate to that. <laughs> it was sad. I was a designated driver for everyone, so I had to go to the hospital and they had to figure their shit out. Yeah, I get this woman, her healing edible arrangement. Her friends exactly. depend on her. <laughs> New section, which is, we've already done this before, but we wanted to give it a name. We're calling it teacher evaluations, where we get input from listeners. 
even though we've said before, we are not teachers and we stand by that. We are just other students. Anyway, we got feedback that we were, that we were being, it was specifically about last episode, the love is blind episode that we are too nice and we need to stop wishing people. Well, we need to stop wishing people the best. So you know who you are, who gave us this feedback. And I've thought a lot about this. We'll give a peek behind the curtain here for a second. Christine and I like intentionally are are trying to consistently remember that these people are people like not actual, characters, not well, we sometimes slip up and call them characters, but we do genuinely try to remember like they're people. And then particularly in this week, which we'll get to later in this episode, I also try to remember that there's editors who are trying to make stories a certain appear a certain way. So there's always the editing. People are people. You know, you never want to be too cruel or harsh to anyone. But I do think maybe, and Christina and I haven't ever talked about this face-to-face, so this is where we're going to be talking about it live right now, hashing it out. I do feel like maybe there's some room for us to be a little bit more, less afraid of not being, we never, we do, I genuinely do wish everyone the best. But there maybe is some room for us to be a little bit more comfortable with criticisms or judgments. What do you think? I thought about this too. And I've also, I tried to narrow my focus on this reflection to just love is blind because we've had a lot of seasons with very polarizing characters. I think for me, it's that full picture view that I'm hesitant to speak about something before I see how the season concludes because, and I think we can talk about this, like my perspective has totally changed of Micah from episode one to now. And I, I guess I'm just, I mean, that's fine. I guess I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong. I haven't really thought this through like about how someone is, you know, portrayed, I just I guess I really do want to give people the benefit of the doubt because I know the editing process and there are some things for me that are not I will not ever feel good about. And I think about in season one or two, there was this really biphobic exchange between a couple when a man and I can't remember names came out as bisexual to the woman he had proposed to. Like, I feel 100 percent comfortable saying that was like very uncool and I don't love that Netflix has brought her back for other things because I I draw lines with how people you know should what people should say and how they should say it and then how we should continue to support them in the franchise when it comes to bad behavior interpersonally I'm just like I guess I'm like this shit happens all the time like not even on the TV and I'm always hesitant to pretend that I understand what people are going through if I am not literally that person. So I think I am like actually a little too generous until someone's like really mean and says something sexist or homophobic. And then I have like, you are dead to me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel similarly. And I think it's interesting because I think the concern is usually that you say something like you're like, you say something that's too harsh towards someone and then they turn out to be like a fine person. But now we're in this kind of opposite situation where we <laughs> were maybe too nice about some people. And after these episodes, we're like, oh, oops, like maybe 
we were too charitable, but I don't know. I would rather err on that side. But all that being said is that if, if we do wind up, I don't know if we do sound a little bit more judgmental or, or whatever the right word is, I maintain that I, I think our bias should be, and genuinely is that one of being, I don't know, generous in our assumptions about folks. I also, from a, like our podcast ethos perspective, I guess I would say like, I think there's a lot of content out there that is just strictly devoted to shading and shaming and judging people on these shows. And not only do I want us to be something different, but I also think we need more other shit out there. And I'd like to talk about people more holistically and with more generosity. Yeah. So thanks for the teacher evaluation, anonymous input giver. Yeah. We do appreciate it. Seriously. It's helpful because we do it. It's helpful to like reckon with how we're approaching certain topics and how we, we want to be mindful about them. So it's good to. And it is great feedback because no one has ever told me I'm too nice. So interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a first. <laughs> we're making trophies for ourselves as we speak. Oh, definitely. Another question that we sort of talked about last episode and has come up in several conversations we've had since is will you all do retrospective episodes and look back at other older shows or seasons and certainly hell yeah i especially think this week has shown us that there are some lulls in the reality tv world and we will fill that void with some good content seminar time so this week's seminar we're going to do something a little different because we can and we will. We're going to cover season 44, episode six, the most recent episode of Survivor US. About 30% of seminars going to be about that. Honestly, it's probably going to be like 10% because we're going to go on about Love is Blind for so long. But then Love is Blind, season four, episodes nine through 11, slash the whole thing as needed to fill in the blanks is also going to creep into this week's seminar. So we're going to do a deep dive on both of those, mostly Love is Blind. Buckle up, students. Wow, it sounds like you're driving the school bus from hell. <laughs> Christina is just letting me have it today. All right, I accept. <laughs> Tell me, what do you think about this episode? What are your impressions? What do you it's, have to share? I don't have that much to share. It's fine. It was fine. Will we ever get more than fine from M this season of Survivor? Probably not. Honestly, don't get your hopes up. What did I want to say about this week's episode of Survivor? Just a couple things. The most of the episode was Josh getting a fool's edit, which I did enjoy because the man has really bad reads on situations, like remarkably so. And I always find that to be enjoyable to watch. Josh, as we mentioned last week, created a fake idol that was very obviously fake to the people who were on his tribe. And then even though they were like, Josh, this is fake. You've made this from the tree mail. You used the same parchment you showed us last week. Like we know that this is fully fake. There's no question in our mind. He decided this week merge happened to continue doing this kind of 
lie, but only to some people. But then for other people, he told he didn't have an idol to with seemingly no intentionality between who he told he had one to and who he didn't. And the only thing I wanted to say about this was at one point he says, I have a variety of information and situations going on. Like he says that to the camera, speaking about the chaos that he's created by unintentionally lying to half of the tribe. And I just thought, you mean you've been like recklessly lying for no reason? Like that's what it was such an interesting way to say that, like, I've been making a bunch of weird decisions. I don't know why I'm making them. I have a variety of information and situations going on. Don't we all, Josh? Don't we I was going to say, look, Josh, I think we all got a variety of information and situations <laughs> going on at any given time. Well said. Did you um, curse Josh by giving him honor roll? Yes. Maybe. The power of honor roll is strong. So I gave him honor roll last week because I wanted to boost him up and give him some hopefully better social reading skills. Didn't work. I had to fast forward tribal, not because I was bored, but because I was cringing. And I know we've mentioned this before and people are talking about this is that like, it's like a competition of who can make the best analogy or metaphor at tribal. Jeff will ask a question and they'll be like, it's like we're a blank on a blank, but then blank happens and blank, like fill in the blank. And that's what people say. And it's so performative and cringy to me that I legitimately cannot watch it. And I will fast forward 30 seconds to not listen to them put on this little song and dance. And so this is really the only other main point I have to say. I Well, number one, I think they're maybe all trying to impress Jeff mm. like way too much. Like they just really want Jeff to love them. It just makes a weird dynamic where I just like don't see that in Survivor Australia where no. JLP is like their friend. And so I'm just like, it's so boring. It's just watching people trying to impress this person who has power over them. But who knows? Maybe I'm reading too much into that. And then I'm, and then I spent two hours yesterday watching the live. It wasn't live, but like it was airing in real time. Not in real time. It was, I was watching, ugh, cable. You know, it's, how do you even say this? Because it's like, this isn't a thing on Netflix or the streaming channels. I was watching a show on cable when it was originally airing a rarity. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to describe. I was watching that. I was watching, um, the reunion show for RuPaul's drag race last night. It was two hours long. Amazing. And it was just such a breath of fresh air. It was RuPaul, like the Jeff Probst of RuPaul's drag race, kind of RuPaul's more of an icon. They definitely created like the entire, you know, franchise. So it is different, but whatever this person who has a lot of status, um, and power RuPaul interviewing all the drag queens juxtaposed with Jeff Probst interviewing all of the survivor cast members at tribal council. And I just so much more enjoyed the reunion for RuPaul's drag race. And I just was thinking like, how can we get more like true weirdos onto survivor or just ruthless shady people <laughs> to like there's an amazing drag queen called mistress isabel brooks who's just like ruthlessly shady but in such a fun way and it just creates such a fun dynamic they don't care what other people think of them and i was like 
can we just get more of that? Can we just insert some of that into the survivor world? What about a drag themed season of survivor? How would that work? I don't know. I said it and I didn't. And then I realized (laughs) that seems complicated. Considering they put them in one pair of jean shorts the entire yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You're right. I know. I agree, though. And my favorite characters, people of the recent modern Survivor era have been the weirdos. Yeah, just like the true, the people who are weirdos, not for the sake of being weirdos on Survivor, but who are just like true, they can't even help themselves. They're just weirdos. Carolyn. Carolyn, Jan I Jan. thought Marianne was was a weirdo. For and sure, her season was beautiful. Beautiful. We need more weirdos. And then the only other thing is, I think maybe they're not going to kiss Franny and Matt because the they teeth. don't have yeah, they don't have toothbrushes. Well, I don't think they do. No, because they use sand and the sticks. Mm-hmm. I want Carolyn and Franny to be friends. Mm. They had like a very brief moment together, and I could see it. I could see it forming. I hope that they work together. I also loved Matt's turtle sweater. Did you see it? No, but like this is no offense, but like when this is the things we're talking about. Yeah. That's why you're not getting anything more than a fine from me. Although I had a lot of thoughts about people's outfits and tattoos in Survivor Australia. I just I, never had a space to share them. I um have a I I'm not iconically, but I don't notice physical appearance at all. <laughs> like not physical appearance. I don't I don't notice like fat like what people are wearing at all. Let me ask you this as a test. I read on a subreddit thread this morning people talking about Chelsea on Love is Blind's um like wedding attire. Did anything Her wedding out? dress? No, but her accessories, did anything stand out to you? Well, I noticed her like bedazzled earrings and her ponytail holder. Wow. Yeah. Didn't remember either of those people were, there's this whole thread about like the earrings she was wearing and stuff about them. And I was like, yeah. I don't remember that at all. Well, she's a big earring person. I can tell. Cause she had the fringe ones that her friend made that she shouted out. Zero. She's an accessories gal. Yeah, zero recollection. So anyway, I'm glad that at least one of us is paying attention to these things. Well, in Survivor, I always pay attention from like a point of practicality because I hate how the Survivor US forces them into some very uncomfortable things that they have to wear day in and day out. And I thought in Australia, people were wearing some more functional attire, but then also they just generally seem to have more outfits than Mm. the US ones. And I loved everything Shawnee wore. We can't even talk about. Will we ever talk about U.S. Survivor without bringing up our faves from Australian Survivor? Literally, no. I think the question is just like, when am I getting a tattoo of Survivor Australia? <laughs> Something related to it. I now have a shirt. What's next? What's next? More permanence. All right. And then I have a question for you that I would love your take on, Professor. When the tribes merged and we're having the merge feast that not everyone was allowed to attend. Carolyn was attempting to share information with people and they were just simply not receiving it. And it was painful to watch and have her reflect on. And I'm wondering why 
is that? Like, why were people just not hearing her? Great question. I have two boring hypotheses that I think are most likely to be correct, but then I have a, a broader observation that I just think is relevant. The simple answer is they don't think she's the type of person who actually knows what's going on. She just gives off a vibe of like, we can't, not that she's intentionally misleading us, but like, she just genuinely, we don't trust her impression of what's actually happening. That's number one, very possible. That's about Carolyn specifically. Alternative hypothesis is that it has nothing to do with Carolyn specifically, but anyone who would have said that they would have reacted that way, which is because they're all just a bunch of extra paranoid super fans who are like thinking it's this four, four dimensional chess basically. And like, he could have done this and then swapped it out with the other one. And it's like, you know, they're, they're just frantic no matter what. So like the most trusted person could have shared that information. And if they had reacted the same way, we would have be able to confirm that second hypothesis more broadly. Neither of those hypotheses are interesting, but probably likely more broadly. I think that even though Carolyn's wacky, her approach and her read on situations is kind of straightforward and grounded compared to other people's, which makes her like really stand out amongst a group of super like hyper four-dimensional chest, chess, chest, chess players. Is it four-dimensional chess? Four-dimensional? I mean, I, I've never heard this phrase, but it, it makes like, sense. People say 3D chess whatever. Okay. Whatever. These people who are like th thinking too much like me, when a comp is when there's one Tony Vlachos, he's the star he's being, he's doing it all. He's or like George and survivor Australia overthinking, not overthinking, just like really a lot of thoughts doing a lot, thinking about all the different permutations of things when there's only one of them, they're amazing. But when every when that starts to become the norm, it's no longer this rare, valuable attribute. Instead, what then becomes valuable is the new rare attribute, which is like what Carolyn's doing, which is just like kind of a straightforward <laughs> approach to what's going on. And so I just started thinking about, you know, Carolyn is kind of appealing for viewers, I think because the rest of the cast are these frenetic types. But when there's only one frenetic type, that person is typically more appealing. Yes, that is so right. Norms, baby. That's Norms we, and outliers. That is what we said episode one, that this cast is high hysteria, energy, <laughs> paranoia, <laughs> anxiety, hysteria, all the things. Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated because Carolyn is not like this boring, like she no. too is like wacky. So she's not like a super grounded person, but she is like, I remember there was one episode earlier on where she was like, yeah, we like, you know, we voted them out and like, haha, great. Like Carson was like so excited about what had just happened. And she was like, yeah, we're playing survivor. Like, hello, you know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Respect. Respect. We love someone who just calls it like she sees it. We do. We really do. So that's what I think. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think it's time for Love is Blind. <laughs> I can't wait. And we thought this was going to be a short episode. Did we? No. 
we did it. Well, in our planning document, M just wrote more in all caps. Yeah, because Christina in our pl- Christina in our planning document wrote uh, something like M and Christina each share two to three observations about it Love Is Blind, and I was like, paste. I was like, uh, nope. Sorry, Copy I've got paste. S- I've got seven to share about Jackie and Marshall alone. And that's a true number because I'm looking at my notes and they are bulleted by numbers. Okay. I have some general observations before Please. we dive into the couples. Do you have anything generally? Oh, oh, one of my overall things is also that I can confidently say that all of my predictions that I've stated in the previous episodes of this podcast have been incorrect. <laughs> Wow, we should actually probably track these. But I'm like so <laughs> confident in them when I say them. So I don't know if that's worth anything. It's like Jamie on Survivor. She has no fact checking. Yeah. I was like, just Paul, a deep knowledge. I was like, Paul's definitely going to be the one who's like wavering at the altar. I mean, maybe he is. He yeah, is. they didn't give us that clip this time. Okay. And my two other comments I truly hate when they say the phrase, you got to agree, you know, you agreed to marry this person sight unseen. Is this real estate? Why do we have to say sight unseen person unseen? This is not a real estate transaction. Oh, this is an interesting bone to pick. You have. Do you disagree? Well, I have to Google sight unseen. Oh, I mean, I just, it gives me a like HGTV vibe, not a person in a pod vibe. Yeah. Is that how generally it is used? Yep. So who wrote that line? You agree to buy it, even though you have not seen it and do not know what condition it is in. Yeah. Contracts. So it's kind of true. We don't know. Some of these people didn't know what condition the people were in. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, arguably, they could have done their due diligence to find out the emotional condition the person was in. Yeah. Well. Instead, they wanted to sing. (laughs) <laughs> there's a general unappreciation uh, underappreciation that people have of context all right let's talk about the couples let's talk about jackie and marshall let's do it i think that marshall is a good communicator and i'm proud of him for his communication sometimes i maintain that he is a good communicator he does have some skills he can also simultaneously have a little taste of toxic masculinity. Both can yes. be true. Both I can be he, true. He very much can articulate what he wants and needs to Jackie. Yes. And I think he does a good job standing his ground. Agreed. And telling his friends how he feels about her, that she makes him feel like he can fly while I she that goes on a date. Literally just going to say, I wrote down, in what way does Jackie make Marshall feel like he can fly? Show me the evidence. Well, not anymore. But even in that moment. Like, looking back now at the previous episodes, his really, his, I think his, one of his big faux pas calling her a project. I just can't help but wonder if there's this, like, traditionally feminine urge to fix broken men that he has like this urge to fix her Mm. like you know he sees the uncut diamond and and wants to polish it up do you think jeff would like that metaphor he would (laughs) a bad pairing a really bad pairing and also i think it's fair for us to maybe be a little bit harsh 
on our friend Jackie. Now, did but you he- see her comment today on Instagram? No, but let me, before you say that, in case it's related to, in the case, I, I just want a history to show that I'm right about something, okay. if I am right, but I have no idea what her comment is about. I just wanted to say is that like, I, this is one of the situations where I really want to know the order of events. The editors are doing us dirty with this timing. Give me the raw footage. I've sensed, especially these last couple episodes for multiple couples, they're splicing the conversations in ways that are not natural. But in Jack and Marshall's situation, I'm like, I can't tell the timing of her meeting up with Josh and the suit, they made it seem like she was meeting up with Josh during the the dress fitting. And I was like, she has her issues for sure. I am not team Jackie. I think that she, but I also think that I just did not trust the timing of things. You're what right. Was, was that her comment? Yep. She said, totally edited out of context. She was not on a date with Josh while... The women were trying on dresses. That was after the fact. She had broken up with Marshall when she had that conversation with Josh. Yes. I I knew it had to be the case. I'm so glad she said that. Yep. You're right. Right on. It does. With that in context, I'm like, she's not a villain. She's confused. And I would say making bad choices. (laughs) But she's not literally going to talk to an ex while she should be trying on wedding dresses you know no but i do think that that text exchange that got leaked between her and her friends was pretty bad Ooh, i did not see this i sent you the reddit you didn't swipe to the other photos no i just looked at the first one well of her and josh yeah okay well i think you don't want to speak more on this until you read that oh is she actually a villain She's just not very, she doesn't seem very, well, then it's like, well, she's talking to her close friends and like, I wouldn't want what I'm saying to my close friends being leaked. No. So when Jackie was sort of giving her confessional as she was leaving Marshall, which I think was like maybe my best confessional of the season award goes to Jackie, really. And she says, I can't. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'm just getting confused because I love that moment. During her conversation with Josh, she said, I can't give you marriage anytime soon. Yeah. Legal marriage part specifically. Two questions. One, why are you on this show about yeah. marriage? And two, what is the non-legal marriage? <laughs> so just relationship? <laughs> Committed relationship? I also have a legal breakdown here for you if you're interested. Always. So she told Marshall she will not be giving the ring back. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that moment? Well, I think that that's wild. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I thought of was, I wonder what the rules are under Love is Blind and the contracts they sign. I imagine they have a stipulation about what happens with the rings because they are purchased by Love is Blind, which Jackie also mentions in her most recent Instagram post. As in, like, it's not even rude for me to ask for this because he didn't buy it. Love is Blind Mm -hmm. bought it. Mm -hmm. But the reason I think that's relevant is because we know in the Bachelor franchise that they can only keep the ring if they stay engaged for two years. Mm -hmm. So there might be conditions on it. It may not be up to her or him (laughs) about who keeps this ring. But it is actually state law under the Washington Law of Gifts about who gets to keep an engagement ring upon dissolution of said engagement. Because obviously, you can imagine this is super tricky. So it's state by state. 
But in Washington, if the giver of the ring cancels it, so if Marshall says we're not engaged anymore, she could keep the ring. But because she is canceling and ending the engagement, Marshall gets to keep the ring because it is a conditional gift conditioned on whether or not they wed. Mic drop, ladies and gentlemen. So if they were not bound by the contracts they signed to participate in Love is Blind, I would have yelled at Marshall for saying, you can keep it. I mean, choose your, pick your battles though. But I'm going to speculate that like the show's getting that ring back. (laughs) I don't, yeah. And I don't think that they're like as fancy of rings as the Bachelor rings either. Well, and I I think that's like also sort of the part that that annoyed me is like, it's not about keeping a ring for sentimentality. You're basically just saying like, who gets to keep this money from this thing that we won (laughs) from this show? Yeah. And like, it's gross. Really? Like, that's all you're talking about while you're dumping him? Yeah. Stop. Yo, and that's when we, that's when I say like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like giving, I'm not giving Jackie any benefit of the doubt, but like the editing is what the editing is. And it, I think it was purposely misleading and I'm glad to hear that she said something about it, but those kinds of things like the asking right. for the, keeping the ring. And in general, I think there's something to be said about, I don't know. I go back and forth on this. I'm like, Irina was so clear about her dislike of Zach Mm. and I'm like would I have preferred Jackie to be more clear about her dislike of Marshall like is that one of the problems is that she was like too I mean from a viewer perspective we're like no it's pretty clear she didn't really like him Mm -hmm. but but she was maybe giving mixed signals but then I'm also like well maybe she's like trying to give it a real shot too like genuinely genuinely trying so it's complicated I'm like what would I have preferred her to do differently that's a really good question I'm thinking about previous seasons and previous couples where a couple like one part of the couple has been pretty like transparent about how the person they ended up with was not who they physically imagined. Mm -hmm. And I'm only unfortunately thinking of men saying this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's my own bias or have we ever had a woman that's like, oh, no, we have. We have. Okay, I'm correcting myself. Jessica. Yep. Jessica and Mark and Mark. Right. But we have some pretty memorable men saying this in recent seasons, like Bartise. And I feel like Shane also was like this, comparing the woman they ended up with to the other women. Mm -hmm. So it's a good question because I have to say that sort of behavior I'm really like not into. I'm more like, give the person a chance. Aren't you trying to say you want to see beyond? So I'm like, was she doing the right thing? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like weird. I feel like when they were on their honeymoon, she was really trying. I think she was too. And then they entered the real world and the Josh world. Yeah. I really don't like how she constantly says that she's emotionally drained and that's like Mm -hmm. her excuse to end a conversation. Red flag. I mean, if that's okay to say, then I'll just say that all the time. Take it out of stuff. Sorry, Christina. I can't record today. I can't record today. I'm just emotionally drained after my 10 hours of sleep. Uh, Next couple or? Yeah. Should we talk about Paul and Micah? Heck yeah. Okay. There's some underdogs. Well, okay. There's some, I'm my, my capital R romantic and capital O optimistic brain has been lit on fire after stumbling upon some subreddit threads about people thinking that they're faking it for the show. (gasps) No way. Right. Whoa. What, what would be the reason? 
we're too uh, pure and innocent for this conversation. I was like, I was like, well, here I am saying like the editing is making people look. Yeah, we're always just looking out for the best, and people were like, the editing's doing that. I dirty. think it's. I look. I don't know if we can change this part of ourselves. Yeah, we can't. Sorry, everyone. Feel free to give us evaluations about this, but we're unchangeable. It's who we are. <laughs> who we are. Yeah, some people are speculating. I guess Deep D and someone else from a past season have a podcast, and they yes. were talking about how they're speculating that Paul and Mike are doing it for the camera. It's just like they're putting on the show because because they want to be on TV, and then they're whatever. But I'm like, man, I'm a real sucker for this stuff then. I guess I'm I am too. I just, Paul is not who I would get that read on. I know. Like, why would he do that? Again, I recognize that's my gender bias and like physical presentation bias, right? Like I would assume women would do it. I would assume certain kinds of men would do it. Looking at Paul, I would never be like, sure, you're in it for the clout. Yeah. You're like a scientist. Represent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so anyway i think that they're cute although i do think I that do they're too. like i'm just like they're not really compelling to watch because they just like laugh talk at each other I know, <laughs> that's it's like, real it's, it's real but it's also just kind of like i'm like do you guys ever talk about anything like more than this well we know that he isn't comfortable talking about real things that's true so maybe maybe they don't often i, I did cringe when she got drunk and was texting him and call it FaceTiming him, but really at her bachelorette party. Yeah, but I don't drink, so okay. it's hard for me to imagine. So my note for oh, this, God. I was like, oh, <laughs> I remember being at my bachelorette party oh. and Taryn had a batch weekend the same weekend and like we were separate, but then we merged for some events. And I remember wishing I could be with Taryn the whole weekend too. <laughs> gosh that is I was so like, precious they're real and I believe it and if Venom says no at the altar I'm gonna be mad I don't think she's gonna say no at the altar Paul, well, but Paul said he couldn't imagine life without her I know so this is the thing that's why I wrote I think all of my predictions have been wrong I I hope they say yes I hope they say they're yes my too. raven and sk of the season oh I don't know what that means because that didn't go well they're my raven and sk because I was unsure yeah about her and now i've grown to love them as a couple i get it whereas tiffany and brett are my cam and lauren of course but they're their own people they are they are and tiffany and brett deserve their own show agreed with their friends my only other comment about mike and paul is that i i maintain that paul would die in scottsdale arizona yeah it's definitely too hot for him but just like culturally as well yeah i mean can you imagine him at all of those bars with Micah and Shelby no does Shelby live in Scottsdale Arizona no but I imagine she goes there definitely and by the way I've never been there I just know that are Ari- you kidding no me? I just know that Ari Leyendyke lives there from The Bachelor and I I just assume everyone who lives there is like that I have not met anyone more prejudiced against the town of Scottsdale than, than me you have I'm such sure. passionate feelings for never having been there. What do you mean prejudice? It's not like I don't like it. I don't think I would probably want to live there. You said, I, I bet Micah has a house in Scottsdale. I did say that. Not and, generous. And, and 
And well, I did it over text. So you don't know what my tone was, but I was right. Oh, Oh, I was so I I screamed when, uh, yeah, I did scream when she finally admitted it was Scottsdale because I knew it. So you could say I've never been there, but I think I have a pretty good idea because I did guess that that's where she lived. My last really irrelevant comment. Wow. We're really talking a lot about my own marriage today. Let's go. Is that they, I knew I liked the wedding dresses more this season. And my friend pointed out to me that the store they were shopping in is the store that I got my wedding dress from A and Bay. Well, I'm really happy for you. I know you didn't notice anything that was happening during the Did, wedding dress scene. Didn't notice. Do you even know I, when they try on different dresses? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I honest, someone needs to check on Christina because she's just <laughs> letting me have it. Yes, I can tell the difference between wedding dresses and when they get changed into a different one. I just personally find shopping to be so overwhelming. And so when I when I go shopping, if I go shopping, I'm like, I need this specific thing. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And it's like very easy for me to go, no, 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 no. Yes. Get in, get out. Oh. Wedding dresses is my worst nightmare because it's like all of the, the one, you want one thing and then- a store full of that one thing is like t- terrible. It's like, just give me one. I just want to, I want to be able to just see one. Next couple. Let's do Brent and Tiffany. And- oh, <laughs> Brent and Tiffany. Basically, this is just, again, me saying they're beautiful. I will not be okay if they do not marry and last. My favorite montage of the final episode was Tiffany stress cleaning, stress smelling the candle unlit, and then stress napping. So relatable. She is so relatable. And I just thought the most relatable couple moment for me was when she was crying and he was just holding her. Yes. I wrote that down too. I just thought this is so realistic. Lesson from couples therapy, turning towards your partner in a moment of stress instead of away from them. Lessons from classic social psychology paper is that they hooked up couples to like these things that measure their physiological response to situations. And they had couples talk about intense topics Mm. and they found that couples that complemented as in did the opposite, um, like physiological response were the ones that lasted the longest and were the happiest or something like that. Meaning like, instead of like both people escalating Mm. at the same time and getting like wrapped, like if Brett had started like spiraling about the wedding planning and getting stressed and whatever, that's like maybe not the best. So it's really interesting to see him be just so grounded while she had her moment Mm. and then they take, you can take turns. Oh, it's so beautiful because especially like, that allows for them to co-regulate. Yes. It's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Ugh. I mean, well, and how often do you get to see that on TV? Never. I've lo- I'm loving it. I want them to have their own show, as you said, and I want The Bachelor to take notes because this is what I want to see in a love story. I'll talk about them a little bit later for the cry count too, but maybe okay. next couple. Yeah. So this is funny. For Chelsea and Kwame, I have literally one note. Okay, let's hear it. I have five, but I don't know how important they are. Which is interesting because I feel like they really stole the show of the last three episodes. Like, I feel like they were super centered. All I wrote was like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about the phrase, like, he loves me because I'm extra. 
She said that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was sort of her whole, I almost feel like that is her whole thesis statement of their relationship is like, yeah. he loves me for who I am. Who I am is extra. And that's great. Extra feels like a facade. Extra feels like the paint on your house. It doesn't feel like your soul. And it feels not correct to me. Wow. I didn't pick up on that, but I totally agree with you. I had a real, like, I cannot figure out what's going on with them. Truly. My first, my, my first sentence is Kwame hates her and she has no idea. Question mark. Like, is that, but then I'm like, well, maybe he loves her because then they have these lovely conversations where he says like the good are so much better than the bad. I'm, I'm with you and being confused. And maybe I'm like, is the internet tainting my generous thought? Because the internet seems to think that he hates her or really dislikes her. And yeah, there are moments where I look at him and I'm like, I don't know what you think about this. But then his speech to her at their wedding, I know, was lovely. But I think he's going to say no. I think he is going to say no to it. But but it was still yeah, lovely. I'm confused. I am confused <sighs> as well. Because if he doesn't like her, which is what people generally seem to think, then it's really cruel what he says the rest of the time to her. Yeah. Because it's not like he's like, I don't like it's like how arena was right. Like she clearly didn't like him, but she also wasn't like, feeding him lines. She wasn't yeah. feeding Zach lines. Yeah. Kwame's definitely know. giving her verbal reassurance. Yes. So that's what makes me really like, Ooh, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, couldn't stand the strawberries and shopping scene. Obviously we don't have to talk about that anymore, but that's, just can we note. talk about the other experience? No, I'm not even mentioning that. Lingerie photo shoot. Pass, pass. Does that remind you of your own wedding, Christina? Did not do that. <laughs> uh, the only other minor things are Kwame just goes around ranting to everyone about having to compromise and like move to Seattle, but he knew he was on Love is Fun in Seattle. And presumably they talked about the fact that she lives in Seattle when they were in the pods. Again, I don't understand what are people not reading when they sign up for these shows? And this is why I feel I feel passionate about this, that we have to be nice to these people because clearly they're not reading the fine print. My yeah. goodness. They don't know they're on a show about marriage. They don't know they're on a show set in Seattle. Like what's going on? Yeah. They only have 24 hours to pack. So says Kwame. <laughs> And then he, and then this is me not knowing what the Pacific Northwest is like, but is the weather that much better in Portland than Seattle? Do you know? I don't know. It's only like a three hour drive. It's like here to LA. It cannot be that different. Well, maybe it is. All right. Let us, some of my Portland friends, can you let us know that we're completely wrong? Yeah. For what it's worth, like I don't, what I don't see myself enjoying hanging out with Chelsea. (laughs) So I just wanted to say that because I felt like I was just, I don't have any notes about Chelsea. I have a lot on Kwame, but like, I do think that he is definitely having to compromise way more than her. Yes. Like in every way. Do you know, are they the same age or is she older? Uh, I think he might. I think they're probably the same age. Okay. For some reason, I thought she was a little bit older. And that's why she like would win the conversation about when to have kids. But I think I just imposed that on them. <laughs> they're coupled them. Yeah, I think they're the same. This isn't Jessica and Mark. All right, Zach and Bliss. This is the hardest couple for me. This is the hardest couple. It's more like, for me, Zach is the hardest character slash. 
person of the show. Say more. I I cannot. I do not feel generous towards him. And I don't trust him. It starts with everything from the first moment he was in the pods to now. But specifically, in more recent episodes, the way he continued to badmouth Irina to Bliss as if he was not a fully consenting person that actually was the one who proposed to Irina. I don't like that. I don't like the vibe of men coming in and talking about their exes in a really terrible way. I think it's gross. Yeah. I really like Bliss. So I like her too. I'm confused because I'm not a, um, I too don't feel the most generous towards Zach. What a, what a way to say we potentially don't like someone. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There were a couple moments that I loved. Like I loved Zach's family saying to Zach in front of bliss. I really like her. (laughs) Yeah. I just like loved that moment. I was like, okay, be on, be open. And then there's a lot of commentary and discourse around Bliss's father Oof. and his remarks. Yeah, what did you think about that? I think we might have different opinions about this based on the fact that you just said oof. It was a very hard scene for me to watch. It was one of the ones that I told you I was struggling oh. to witness. Well, just at the top, when Zach was going on about something legal related. Um, oh, Yeah. And Honestly, can I just say this is why I don't talk about my job to people? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, just... I know that they would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And like, can we move on? Well, Bliss's dad literally said, I don't have an opinion about this, honestly. And I thought, let's normalize saying that to people more. That's true. Like we can, it should be okay to say like, I actually like, thanks for sharing that. And I have no opinion about this right now. You weren't like uncomfortable during that scene with the dad? I wasn't paying that much attention to that scene, but I, I think what I took away was like, he was like, yeah, like it's wild to get married after knowing someone for 20 days. And I was like, yeah, that's legit. I Did think... I miss something major? <laughs> no, I that was it. But for me, it was his tone mm. felt ungenerous towards his daughter. And compared to we had so many examples of really supportive parents this episode supportive meaning i trust my kid i recognize they're an autonomous adult who can make these decisions so i need to support them his he was just so far on the other side that it was sort of jarring to watch that happen after seeing so many parents put their faith in their kids and i i sort of feel like when parents behave like that to their grown children Again, as someone without grown children, so like talk to me in 30 years, I'm just like, if you have a problem, like it's actually with how you raised them. (laughs) It's not with who they are now. Mm. So don't get on her back now. Like think about what your choices were that led her to this moment. And if you're uncomfortable because you had a marriage that ended. Yeah. Like, well, how did you have conversations with your daughter about that? And like what you wish you knew stepping into it instead of just being like, Ugh, making a bad decision. Like, okay, well, dad, tell me what you learned from your decisions. Yeah, I totally see that. For some reason, I I keep thinking about the season of The Bachelor when Colton was the lead. 
And mm. did you watch that season? Of course, of course. And Cassie's dad flew to wherever they were to be like, don't marry this guy. Like, don't say yes. Like, you don't have to do this. And of course, that's like a super different power dynamic because it's a bunch of women all fighting for this one guy. The guy has all the power. And I think Cassie's father and her had what looked like a very warm relationship. And maybe he actually saw something in her where he was like, I need to make sure my daughter is like, you know, making yeah. decisions that are true for, for who she is. So I'm not always, I guess that's always to say is like, I'm not always anti-parental intervention because sometimes I do think that they can see things that when you're in it, you can't see it. And I would say the same for a friend. If a friend yes, did the same agreed. thing, it's like, agreed. sometimes they can just see things. I don't think that's the case with Bliss's dad. It seems like she has a much better relationship with her mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like the missing element. I think the Cassie situation was, yeah, maybe he saw something. This, I'm not even certain how, how much her dad sees. And it wasn't like, this guy is wrong for you. It was like a, this situation is wrong for yeah. you, even though I'm not, I'm not allowing myself to learn about it or your experience. The way he rolled his eyes about when she was explaining what they talked about in the pods, I was just like, okay, so this is someone who is unwilling to enter the conversation. I don't think you're allowed to have an opinion when you won't even engage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair. I felt very strongly about that. Yeah, scene. It was super you. uncomfortable for yeah, me. I, I should have watched it more closely. Okay. What else do you have about them? I have a few other comments. Oh, really? <laughs> That's it. Okay. Zach, when he was shopping for his suit, I know you're gonna be like, why do you keep talking about fashion? He, my fiance is making all the decisions, which like, yes, you know, we love someone that supports their fiance's sartorial choices. But then he told them, I do really like the idea of a periwinkle or purple suit. And I was very upset to hear that because I do not want to see that man in another purple suit at his bachelor party when he's talking about Leanne Wombat. And the friends are like, yeah, dude, I have never heard of that song. Like, she is your soulmate. I wanted to provide a quick fact check for everyone. I hope you dance was Billboard number 14 on the top 100 won a Grammy for Country Song of the Year in 2011 and won Song and Single of the Year at the Country Music Awards. So this is not a sleeper hit, people. I have nothing to say. (laughs) Men talking about signs from the universe is... It pains me. It pains me. Literal signs, he says. I want you, our homework today, I want us both to ask our significant others what signs from the universe they got okay, about us. Do you have honor roll? I do. Mostly just shout outs to my fave family members from Love is Blind. Kwame's sister. Incredible, oh. pres- incredible presence. Talk about a generous soul. Oh, yeah. Bliss's mother. Mm. Amazing. And Brett's friends. I loved Brett's friends. I loved Brett's friends. Which is a great sign. I do think you can judge people by their friends. Agreed. How about you? Any honor roll? So I gave my honor roll to Survivor, I guess, to Carson. But the point I wanted to make broadly, he destroyed in a puzzle because he 3D prints his puzzles at home. And 
my point that I wanted to make was that's cool, but like that's not going to win you Soul Survivor. Correct. So for all of the quote unquote nerds out there that going to 3D print themselves some puzzles, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually going to help you. I mean, it could help you on the fringes, like avoiding a tribal council here and there because Mm -hmm. you can help your team win. Yeah. But it's not going to be something you say at tribal council that you can't tell anyone. If you do it, you can't tell anyone. So I don't know. Did you cry a lot this week? You know, I didn't because, well, I don't know why, but I noticed that I hadn't cried until I was watching Love is Blind. Mm. But I do have a cry count. Four, four cry counts this week. Oh, God. When Tiffany started to cry around Brett's friends, I cried. Also, Tiffany is clearly a crier, and I really see myself in her on that. Crier and an effort. When Bliss's mom cried at the wedding dress try on, and she was like, This is the one, this is your dress. Just like, what a generous, we're saying generous a lot, but like, what a generous act to just like go like meet your daughter where she is and like see that this is the dress she really wants and just be like that is the dress you know just Mm. so beautiful um I don't know why Brett's dad made me cry but what a a wise and amazing person I just loved that whole scene like by the fireplace or something right it looked very cozy cozy and amazing and just I loved it And then the fourth one is in RuPaul's Drag Race Reunion. There are four drag queens who are from Connecticut. And they showed in the middle of the reunion footage of, I don't know who exactly, I should have you look into this. Some high up politicians representing Connecticut or Connecticut lawmakers. And they showed a video of them thanking before drag queens for all that they're doing and all they do and helping make their state a safe place. Oh, it was just so, it was just a really beautiful moment. Wow. Just with everything going on in this country right now. I'm also just like a huge, huge fan of, of RuPaul and how the platform is used to like, there was like a solid 20 minutes about everything going on in this space politically and like multiple calls to donate to the ACLU for different funds related to protecting trans folks and stuff like that. You can speak on this better than I can, but no, everything I've seen, I'm just so happy the space is being used for that. And while recognizing, right, like anti-drag laws are not anti-trans laws but there is overlap especially in how the language is written in some of these states like Tennessee but it's really nice to hear I also like I just love hearing when states are doing good work yes and like in Connecticut there was which is where these these folks are from correct so Mm -hmm. there was um federal appeal appeals court recently dismissed a challenge to Connecticut's policy that allowed trans girl athletes to compete in some sort of running competition. What is that track? (laughs) Um, Wow. We're athletes on this podcast. And it's just so nice to see when that's what's happening in a specific region and not what we're seeing elsewhere. Yeah. It was a really, really nice moment. 
So I'll find that video and, and we'll we'll link it in the episode. So oh, cry, cry count of four. Scream count? Only one. And it was when Carolyn almost got taken out by that large ball during the challenge. Mm. Those are scary to me. Honestly, they I scream a lot during challenges and that was dangerous. I cried surprisingly twice <laughs> during Love is Blind. And I, I do want to set straight for the record. Like I cry. Okay, people. Sure, sure. I cry. Sure. Not really in reality shows. It's it's almost a one bar. So my cry count is very weird, especially based on everything I've said today, because I didn't even notice it was happening. I was just like, am I leaking from my eyeballs? And it was both related to Chelsea and Kwame. I think maybe I had something else going on. <laughs> Are you going to say what it was? I know. It was just like when she was being emotional and like talking about him. I I'm as confused as you are. Okay. I'm I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Okay. Thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability. I accept whatever you cry about. Definitely not the things I cry about, but I'm pro feelings. We all are. In our final minutes, should we do the long awaited office hours? Yes. Mine is relatively brief. I wanted to briefly talk about something interesting in the realm of social psychology and deception. I think it plays out in a bunch of shows like Survivor, obviously, deciding whether or not to withhold some information or tell someone the information. Um, You know, when you don't tell someone information, sometimes that's called a lie of omission. Honestly, this topic first came to mind when I was watching the Bachelor ending episodes and Zach decided to tell Katie about his decision to sleep with Gabby and just how much that wrecked her and everyone online talking about whether or not he should have done that or not. And I just wanted to share this this short, small little thing that I think might shed some context on why he might have decided to do that and why it was received so poorly is that um, the first concept is called egocentrism, which is basically that we evaluate things inherently from our own perspective. This is like one of the foundational tenets of social psychology, but here's a quote. um, Because people have more access to their own thoughts and feelings and less access to others, their judgments naturally tend to be egocentrically biased. For example... Folks have demonstrated that people overestimate the extent to which others will notice them. Um, So like it's called the spotlight effect and individuals' judgments are egocentric because they anchor on their own perspective and fail to sufficiently account for others' perspectives. So that's step one in unpacking this lie situation. And when you think about this applying to the world of deciding whether or not you should tell someone something that might hurt them or withhold it from them, when you are the person that what I'll call the communicator, if you're like the Zach in the situation, you're deciding whether or not to share this information. You evaluate the choice of whether or not to share this information from an egocentric perspective. So for you, oftentimes it feels like you're evaluating your own morality and choosing to withhold the information feels like a lie. Whereas choosing to share the information feels like not a lie. And so it feels bad from your perspective oftentimes to withhold, to intentionally withhold information because it feels morally wrong. And you're failing to appreciate the fact that when people are receiving the information, they're doing it from their own egocentric lens, which is 
does this information help or hurt me? And so I think in Katie's case, the information hurt her, or that's at least from audience perspective, it seems like it hurt her. Now I'm not here to say whether or not he should have told her or not, but just unpacking why there is this like asymmetry and reactions. Like why would he choose to do something that was so harmful for her? It's again, because he's evaluating it from his own perspective of if I don't do this, I'm a liar. And she's evaluating it from a perspective of why would he do, why would he share information that's going to harm me? Um, so an interesting context, I think concepts of egocentrism, asymmetry and deception. So just, uh, maybe a shout out to people or recommendation is if you're in these tough situations in your own life, try to perspective, take as much as possible and, um, think about the information and how it's going to land and whether or not it's going to be perceived as helpful or harmful. And if you really feel like you need to share the information, really trying to like articulate how you're intending the information to ultimately help the person could be a good idea. And that's it for me. I will um, link out to some key papers, like the one I just read an excerpt from and some research on this in case people want to read a little bit more. I love that. A learning and advice at the end. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know I was going to take it there, but I did. <laughs> Share with us, teach. I wanted to reflect on a comment that was made in Outlast on Netflix. I mentioned that there was a conversation between Javi and Jill where Javi says there's no, I don't know who says what, but basically there's no law here. Someone says, this is America. And someone responds, no, this is Alaska. And I commented, yeah, some people do forget that Alaska is part of the United States. I'd also like to remind people that we saw this also a mere month ago in Perfect Match when they had to do some geography lessons and people did not know Alaska was not a country. So first, Alaska is a state, part of the United States, but I'm going to give you the legal background here. <laughs> Newsflash, Alaska's a state. That's the end of Christina's office hours. That's actually it today. <laughs> Guys, I'm a geographer. So Javi and Jill were never right. It was never a lawless land. Alaska Native peoples were in Alaska since time immemorial. Russia then moved in, began exploring the Alaskan coast in the 1700s and claimed that territory for Russia. They never resolved their land claims with Alaska Native people because there was never a treaty, never a war where Alaska Natives lost land. And they had, interestingly, this goes back to the doctrine of discovery, which the Vatican just said they reject, which is really, really interesting from a historical and legal lens. In 1867, the Treaty of Cessation occurred where Russia sold its interest in Alaska to the United States for $7.2 million and said, all Alaska Native peoples can remain there. They're subject to the U.S. laws. They're not citizens. Um, there wasn't a lot of pressure from settlers to homestead in Alaska at this point because resources hadn't really been identified. So there was just really no reason to start to lay down the laws of this land until resources were discovered. And then we have a civil government set up in 1884 because they wanted a reason to adjudicate or 
a vehicle to adjudicate mining claims. So it all goes back to the minerals that were found in Alaska. That's why they started to set up a government and laws. Gold was discovered. Since then, there's been a lot more laws. There was another organic act. Alaska became an official state in 1958. And then we had oil discovery. This is all to say there have been laws governing these lands for quite a while, specifically laws as these contestants would understand them in the continental U.S., the lower 48 states. These laws are the same, right? The Alaska state laws might be different than Oregon, might be different than California. The federal laws are still the same because it is part of the United States. And the reason the federal laws are relevant is because the show was filmed on federal lands in the Tongass National Forest. How is this different from state law? And why is this relevant to these contestants? Well, because federal charges are often more severe than state charges, often more severe penalties, especially for crimes. Jill, one of the contestants, did an extensive interview after she left the show about how, yeah, it wasn't lawless, but they signed a contract and some of the laws didn't apply anymore. No, that's not how it works. You don't just like abrogate your constitutional rights in a contract for a TV show. And she wouldn't have a less severe charge for stalking or murder or anything because she's on the show. And she especially wouldn't because it's on federal land and not state land. So if you go to Alaska, you are still bound by the laws of the United States. That was incredible. You said you didn't do that much much research, but you did. Well, I, I teach this history, so I oh, already okay. had the slideshow. <laughs> What a flex. I was like, let me just get those dates about the Treaty of Cessation. Do you have a quote to end this episode? No quotes. Michael's from Jam Jam. And (laughs) related to the vote, he just goes, can we just go back to the beach tonight and not have this happen? Yeah, That's why I love him, because he's not just there to impress Jeff. Yep. And you know what? I agree. And I appreciate that he asked that. What if Jeff had said yes? Yeah, maybe he would. I'm Christina. And I'm M. Class dismissed. And that's the episode. This podcast was recorded and produced by us, M and Christina. The views, thoughts, and opinions are ours alone. Special thanks to Caroline Reedy for episode art. Check out her work at doot underscore doodles on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. Want to get in touch? Send us an email realitytvphdpod at gmail.com. See you next week.